Welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan. We are live from the NHL All-Star Game because joining us from Toronto is our NHL insider from D Magazine, from Shap Shots, his Substack, from the author of the book, We Win Here. He's also an actor in a movie coming out that will continue to plug as well as, my goodness, there is just... So many things that, you know, he's doing and D Magazine. And there's a terrific article in D Magazine that we'll dive into about Essa Lindell purchasing his, you know, pride and joy Finnish team and part of an ownership group. So we'll talk about that as well. What an article. You know what? Let's start with that. Sean Shapiro, kudos, man. Stick tap to you. That was a great in-depth article. I love how you got the quotes from the players, but also you focused on the business side. Yeah, th- thanks, Gavin. I appreciate it. And it's, uh, yeah, it's the pieces over at D Magazine right now. If you haven't read it yet, go check it out. Um, but it was, uh, to me, it was one of those, I, I love doing stories like this because it's something where it had been out there, right? Like, it's not like this is, people in Finland know who owns Jokerit. And Jokerit was a was a, a historic, is a historic power in Finland, Um it's ironically enough for our, our listeners, they're actually probably one of the one of one of their great equivalents is probably the Dallas Cowboys, where they were a team that won multiple titles in the 90s. Um, everyone in Finland that you don't have a middling opinion on Jokerit, just like how people in the United States, right? You either love the Cowboys, or you hate the Cowboys. There's really no in between. That's kind of what Jokerit was. Um, and so this would be like the American equivalent of like all of a sudden the Dallas Cowboys deciding to just go up and leave to another league and then and then, and then just disappearing basically from from the American landscape. And so, uh, Jokerit was playing in Finland. Russians bought the team, moved the team to the Russian KHL, and uh, then uh, with the invasion of the Ukraine in 2022, the uh, basically the Finnish team team in, with potential sanctions and everything like that. You couldn't have a Finnish team playing in Russia, and they wanted to get back. The Jokerit wanted to get back into the Finnish league, but to, in, to, in order to do so, you needed to basically cut ties and um, divest all things related to the Russian ownership group. And this is where Essa Lindell and uh, Hurricanes forward uh, uh, Tuvo Teravainen came into play with a uh, with, the, with an ownership group over there and bought Jokerit, and they're working on trying to get Jokerit back to the top league. It's uh, I, I think oftentimes we hear about athletes like getting involved in ownership and stuff like that and it's but it's usually the for lack of a better word it's usually the the uber super like guys who they're not really taking risks risks with their money for lack of a better word so for example like we hear about like lebron mm-hmm. uh, lebron james owning a little part of part the, of the penguins yeah and Penguins and Liverpool and Fenway yep. Sports Group. And I mean, LeBron James makes what $60 million a year or something like yeah. that just from the N- NBA. Like, and we don't, and, and, and we all got to remember too that I believe LeBron's main employer, like if you were going to go like list who he makes the most money from here, it's probably Nike, right? I think that he makes more from his shoe deal than he sure. does from, from his actual basketball playing. But uh, so LeBron owning a little bit of that isn't the same to me as this is a player who, has reached where he is in the NHL because of Jokerit, because of his time there. And he's kind of 
he's got a chance to, as he put it, it's like, it's the team that gave him so much. It's his chance to give back. And so I thought it was a really, it was a piece I really wanted to dive into. Um, big kudos to the editor over at D magazine, Mike Pelosi, who I, uh, Mike's always been one of my favorite editors to work with. Cause he's always someone who I'll bring an idea up to him. And he's the guy who pushes back on me in the good way where he's like, I like this. Let's make it bigger. How can we make it? And that's what I, I love working with, with. I love working on pieces with Mike because this is kind of some of the stuff we get because it's uh, we're able to, I'm able to be myself in a way and push on things, but also I have someone who's pushing me going. So I really loved how this story came out and uh, I'll let you uh, get me back on track here, Gavin. Yeah, no, it was great. <laughs> was, uh, first of all, I agree with you. I mean, stick tap to D magazine between you, Robert and David um, really great stars coverage. Uh, with some in-depth articles. So stick tap to them because we've talked about, you know, the lack of stars coverage in this market. So the fact that D magazine has stepped up with, with you guys is uh, terrific. Was there an yeah. asking, pr- did you figure out what the price was as far as purchasing the team? Uh, I don't know the exact number on that. Um, okay. That's something where to be truthfully honest with it, where it's, I know this is not like that to be like Essa and Tara Vinan aren't putting their life savings yeah. into it, but I do know they have put, uh, there's definitely at least six figures of their money put into this. I know that much. Um, I don't know the full asking price because a, I don't speak Finnish well enough and B it's kind right. of, it's one of those weird things where when it came to buying the team, you were, you were buying pretty close to a dead asset at the time. Right. So it was the it, the bigger the bigger challenge wasn't as much the money to buy it. It was the commitment to keep running it the right way. That was the bigger challenge, honestly, of, OK, you're bringing this team back from shambles. You're bringing this team out of the black cloud of being associated with Russia and everything like that. How do you run it the right, right way and get back on track? And that was the bigger challenge, more so than raising the money. And, and getting all that done because at the end of the day, um, somebody had to, if this it's somebody had to step up to buy it for it, for it to happen. And it's not like there could have been, there was not like there's a bidding war or anything like that, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It's an iconic logo. And oh. uh, I mean, I'm, boy, I hope they can market it and you know, I hope they can make a lot of money and it's a great story. So check out, D Magazine, you can find it at Sean Shapiro um, or just go to D Magazine and it'll be there. It's a real nice deep dive um, into the process of buying the pride that Essa Lindell has in that team and uh, the full story about Russian ownership moving to the KHL. It's a terrific in-depth article. So support Sean and uh, click, click, click for for that. (laughs) And you know what? This one is not that all of them aren't worth it, but this one was a terrific read. I was really enjoying the in-depth piece. Okay. So, Sean, we talked to Rich Peverly, uh, Director of Player Personnel, uh, earlier in the week. You can find that on our Spits and Suds podcast page. And yeah. uh, I was thoroughly impressed. Um, I was always impressed with the person. I am impressed with the person that's now in the front office with the Dallas Stars. And mm-hmm. I can see why Jim Nill hired him. I asked him point blank at the end. Would you like to be a general manager? He didn't hesitate, and he said yes. Um, he loves this organization. 
He talks about this organization. He talks about the pride in the organization. He talks about winning a Stanley Cup as a member of the Dallas Stars. So um, I wanted to ask you because, you know, Jim Nill's not going to be there forever, but I personally could see Rich Peverly maybe moving into an assistant general manager move as next because, you know, and, and I mean no disrespect to former players that join organizations, but we know when a lot of them join that, you know, are they there every day? Are they grinding? Is it more of an advisory position, quote unquote, to have you within the organization? But when I asked him about Bixel, Bork, Stankoven, he even admitted that he worked with Bork as far as like face off. And, you know, I mean, it, it just, it was very, and I've gotten great feedback from our listeners you know, how in-depth he went into this team. He, I mean, Rich does the work. And let's be clear on something. A lot of players, when they get out and they want to work with a team, some guys don't want to do the work. And um, you and I have talked about Mike Madano's role quite a bit in the past, actually. You and I have talked a lot about how uh, he, they finally have the statue for him in Dallas, and we've talked about separating the player from the the player from the play the playing career from the post playing career and how he works for the wild and all that stuff. But Madonna was a guy who when he was working for the stars, he and we I've even applauded Madonna for choosing family and everything like that. But Madonna sure. chose family and living in Arizona over over working and doing hockey things. Um Marty Turco, like uh for example, in, in a different realm um, Marty Turco has has done a very has been very similar to Rich Peverly, just where Marty has gone and done through the, the business more of the business side, where two guys who played for this organization, um, obviously Rich's career ended prematurely for for, for other reasons, um, but have gone and put in the daily work to actually, for lack of a better word, earn their second hockey careers. A lot of times, guys will get that quote unquote second hockey career, and you're like, I mean. You, this is still riding the coattails of your play, prior playing job. And that hasn't been the case with Peverly. If if Peverly wasn't putting in the work, the Stars wouldn't have had made a job offer to him after his playing contract ended. Because remember, his last year, um, his first year with the Stars, he was technically still on a player contract because yeah. he was still. Um, so if he hadn't been putting the work in then, he wouldn't have gotten the job. And, and he wouldn't be promoted. Exactly. And he got yeah. the promotion. And, and it's, it's the... Uh, it's the space where you mentioned you brought up assistant GM, and it's uh, and it's 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 going to be interesting to be to me. At some point, the at some point the stars are going to have a new GM. I don't, and I, I've brought this up on this show before, Gavin. Where if I'm reading the tea leaves, I think it'll happen sooner than people think. And not that Jim Nill will be gone. I just think it'll be very similar to what happened in in. in I think I've said this on the show, right, Gavin, where I believe it's what happened in Vegas, where George McPhee yep. never left Vegas, but George McPhee named himself, and George McPhee became the president of hockey operations, and then uh, Kelly McCrimmon became the GM. I believe that is the next step for Jim Nill with the Stars. I believe at some point we will see a announcement that Jim Nill is now the president of hockey operations, there'll be a new GM, and uh, I think if you're looking in-house right now, there's two main candidates. It's you have Scott White, mm-hmm. who is the assistant GM and has run the Texas Stars for a long time and handles all that. And then there, there's Rich Peverly. And I, I think those are the. If you were to say who who is the 
I would give you even odds on like, okay, who's the next GM of the Dallas Stars? I would, I would have, I would, and if you're laying out like odds makers and everything like that, sorry, if you're having like a list of odds, Rich Peverly would be pretty high on that list to be the yeah. next GM in Dallas, not just another assistant GM. So, um, I love the work that Rich has done. I love the way he has found a way to like, uh, like you see, he, he reminds me a lot of, uh, and I, and I see it all the time because another team I see a lot, obviously is Detroit, but he reminds me a lot of Chris Draper. Um, so Chris Draper is the assistant GM for the Red Wings and, um, Draper was a, is a guy who got promoted to assistant GM this past year by Detroit and Draper is someone who was prior and just head of scout, just doing scouting and amateur development and got promoted to assistant GM because of all the work he put in and, and everything like that. And I see very similar um, parallels between him and Peverly. I just see Draper as one of those guys who's probably about three to four years ahead of Peverly on uh, just like the path. Cause when they, when they started in their, when their respective careers ended. So I see those two very similar and we obviously always see the, similarities between Detroit and Dallas with, um, with, J- with Jim Nill coming from Detroit. So if uh, whether it's in Dallas or like whether it's, whether it's Dallas or somewhere else, I would not be surprised if we see Heverly taking that step at some point. But I also think based off the timelines with the stars and Jim Nill, we're not talking about like Heverly's time. Isn't where it's like, Oh, they got to do this tomorrow. But it's something where in the next couple of years, I think you could see something like this. Yeah, absolutely. We did have some funny moments because I asked him, and he I think he could tell. I, I love doing deep dives on um, players' careers and mm-hmm. uh, really learn that from, you know, people like Ron McLean. And um, hockey is so rich as far as, you know, the leagues you play in. And one of the things, you know, I was asking him, his low junior team, I was like, do you remember for one game a guy named Rick Nash that played on your team? And he's mm-hmm. like, he's like, that is so funny. I've had like three people ask me about that. So it's uh, you know, it was it was a really, really cool interview, especially going in depth as far as where, you know, he kind of learned the leadership at St. Lawrence University and uh just a terrific, uh, terrific career. I didn't even get into the uh, health incident. Um, yeah. you know, well, no, he's, no he, he's talked to. about it. He, he's, he's talked about it a ton, Absolutely. right? Like it's, it's, it's the spot where with, with stuff like that, and I don't want to speak for rich, but I guess I technically am on this. Like it's the space where at some, it happened, right? It is yep. a lynch. It is a point that no one is, it's part of his life story, but it doesn't have to be part of every conversation. I agree. <laughs> Yeah, no, I I, I completely agree. So check out the full interview at uh, Spits and Suds. We also talked to Bob Basson this week about, uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, Sean. I'll just uh, mention that interview. I talked to him about the art of the agitator and how it's kind of mm-hmm. gone away in the NHL. And, you know, he agreed, is, but that was his role. And uh, also what's really interesting is the Basson family. I mean, you know, not as popular as the Kachucks and, you know, other other families in hockey. But at the same time, you know, Stastny's is another one. But, you know, his brother played minors and then went to Germany. His dad was a backup goalie for Chicago and Detroit. So dad played in the NHL. Son played in the NHL. um, Brother played in the AHL in Germany. Two sons are currently playing pro in Germany. And Bob's son um, is now in the USHL. 
and about to play for Michigan State. So it was kind of yeah. kind of interesting for a hockey family. All right, so major all-star game. You know, I, I will say this, Sean. I mean, kudos. I, I understand when it's in a city. You know, it's awesome when it's here in Dallas, and it's great when the Stars can bring the all-star game here and cities like Tampa and everything. But to me, there's a different buzz this year because it's in Toronto. Would you agree with that? Yeah, it's um, there's uh, I think it's very obviously hockey is has such a large Canadian audience and everything like that, and I think there's something there's something nice about having it. I, I think all star games should be one of two places, and I think you should kind of rotate them. I think you should have them in places like this, where you've got uh, a lot of the history of the game and everything like that. Um, and then like last year with us in Florida, where you're like, ah, oh, it's not, it's down by the beach and it's nice and you enjoy it. And you can kind of say, Hey, we're growing the game, but there is something really cool about, um, I'm here in Toronto or I think I'm recording this after, after, after this, I'm going to walk over to lunch and I'm going to walk past the hockey hall of fame. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Right. Like that, that's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool setting. And, uh, I, uh, it's interesting to me too with the with the All Star Game and how they're doing it. I love that they are. I don't I don't know if there's ever a way to save the game itself because like the, the All All Star Games for any sport now are kind of meh. But the event, I still think I think the skills competition is still fun. I think they found a nice way to add the mix to that. Um, I'm hoping tonight's event with the player draft will have. Uh, bring out some more personality in guys, and then I'm also love. I also like how this weekend they're using to try to elevate hockey in general from the spot where tonight, um, when in addition to the player draft for the game, there's going to be the uh, women's hockey showcase for the PWHL, and so I, I, I like. I think there's kind of a nice. There's a nice feel about it where so often the NHL. Um, and I've criticized the NHL for this. So often the NHL cares only about the NHL interests and not the overall hockey interests. And I feel like just some of the things like working with the women's league and, and, and doing some of those other things, I feel like it's a better overall push for uh, to actually try to grow hockey and promote the whole sport in general. Maybe I'm being overly optimistic, but that's that's just kind of been my read on it right now. No, absolutely. And I love the skills competition. And here's why I love the skills competition. You know, when I was growing up, I used to like, you know, NBA slam dunk. Man, that was must watch TV. I mean, you had Dominique yeah. in there. You had, you know, Michael Jordan. You know, you had Spud Webb. You know, things like that. And when I look at the skills competition and I look at fastest skater and I see Connor McDavid in, when I look at the NHL one timers and Nathan McKinnon's part of that in, when I look at the NHL passing challenge, Nathan McKinnon in there, William Nylander in there, uh, Kale McCarr in there. I mean, the, the names are just when it's the NHL's hardest shot, which I always enjoy anyway. Um, you know, and there's some great names there with Patterson, Austin Matthews, Kale McCarr, and then NHL stick handling with Quinn Hughes. Can't wait to see that. Um, you know, and then... Uh, accuracy shooting with Kucherov, Kale McCarr, Connor McDavid, Quinn Hughes, and the one-on-one where they take on the goalie, and that's where Jake Ottinger is going to be, um, you know, part of this. And 
you know, the goalie with the most saves will earn a hundred thousand dollars. So there's a, there's actually some good money on the line, but I, and I know it's because they're there, but I love that the NHL can incorporate their superstars within the skills competition. This is not players flying in to do a three point, you know, competition like the NBA does now. I actually, the one thing I would like is I actually would like them to take one thing from the NBA. And I think I would like them just for a couple events. I would like to see, cause we now have the puck and player tracking. I would love to see the, just bring in the three or four guys who have the hardest shot in a game and who have the fastest skating speed in a game this year and bring them in for it as well. Like I, I want the, the big name players still involved with it. I don't want that taken away, but I also think, I do think there is some merit to now that we have, Hey, we know who had the hardest shot in the NHL this season. Let's, let's, let's get the three of them here. Let's see what happens. Like, I think there's some, I think there's a hybrid there where you could find the solution on that too. I think. Yeah. I think that, I think that's fair. And I also think they should expand their benches a little bit. (laughs) Oh God! Yeah, I mean, it's uh, let's let's okay. One of the most ridiculous things about the All Star Game. Let me say this right. Um, so because I was just going through some stuff as I was as before we get on, I was getting some work done for a story over at EP Ringside, kind of touching on some stars stuff and like so heading into the All Star break. Right, the Stars are the third high are have are the third best offensive team in the NHL. Only the Vancouver Canucks and Colorado Avalanche score more goals per game than the Stars. The Canucks have four skaters at this All-Star game. The Avalanche have two. The Stars, the third best offense in the NHL, don't have a single skater at the All-Star game. And that, to me, is just a glaring example of how we need to expand these rosters and the one-team, one-player thing. it, it It is handicapping us from actually getting a true All-Star game because, like, like Jake Ottinger, right? Like he has been an all-star goalie in his career, but he's not an all-star right now. No. And he's he's just there because he's there because the league felt it was easier to bring him. Right. As opposed to trying to it was easier to bring him as the goalie as opposed to have as when they were trying to check all the boxes to get enough goalies there. Like yeah. it's and it's and, and that comes at a cost of I mean I know Jason Robertson's having a down year, but Jason Robertson is is tied like Jason Robertson and Sidney Crosby have the same amount of points this season. Right. Like if I took like like that's that to me is you have that you have um you have the way like the fact rope like Rope Hints should be an all star just because I want to see Rope Hints in the skills competition. Oh. I want to see Rope like like Rope Hints should be an all star, and I fear because of how our format works in the NHL. Rope Hints may never be an all-star. Right. And that's just like, that, that's crazy to think about. So, yeah. Um, Agreed. And, and you know what? I'll, I do... I'll hop off that soapbox. No, no, second, no, no. So. But you know, I'm glad, so glad you brought that up because it is a good reminder. And we do have to remind our Spits and Suds listeners um, because when the bad happens, we talk about the bad. But remember, Jim Neal locked up Rope Hints. Jim Neal locked oh, yeah. up Jason Robertson. And, and you know, candidly, I, I'm really happy with the Jake Ottinger contract as well. So, like, locking these guys up, sometimes we forget about it. And if they were coming up on expiring contracts, they would be receiving a lot more money. So, I mean, we understand there's caps restraints, but kudos to uh, to Jim Nell. All right. Major news that broke about 1030 Central last night. The NHL trade deadline. Here we go. So, 
the Calgary Flames and Vancouver Canucks, which is interesting, uh, make a trade, an interdivision trade, so to speak, a Canada trade. And the Canucks acquire Elias Lindholm, who's an unrestricted free agent after this year. In return, the Flames get Andres Kuzmenko, good player. Uh, let's see, uh, 2024 first-round pick, a conditional 2024 fourth-round pick, can, which can go up to a uh, high pick, defenseman Hunter Bruchevitz, which Hockey News had him as the third or fourth best prospect in the Vancouver organization. And uh, Yanni Yermo, uh, couldn't find much on him last night, Sean. But this is a haul. And I wanted to get your thoughts because I really like Elias Lindholm. I don't know if I like him this much. And I wanted to get your thoughts, why Vancouver did it, and is it worth giving up what they did? I guess it is if they go deep, make a deep run, possibly a cup run. Uh, But at the same time, your thoughts. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, last year, the Canucks were on the other side of this, right? They traded Bo Horvat, literally yeah. right at the All-Star game away to the Islanders. Um, I uh, I like the concept, honestly. I think the for the Canucks to go and, uh, like, that, that team's never won a Stanley Cup. Banners hang forever, right? Like, I, this is a team where, with where you are, with how you're going, I think you... I don't mind it. And I also actually conceptually on the timing of the trade, I like it a lot better. I always, one of my issues with the trade deadline is so often we talk about, Oh, we're going to bring this guy in, bring that guy in and yada, yada, yada. Right. And um, it takes, it takes a while to get a fit sometimes. And so bringing a guy in now in, in Lindholm now and getting him in on February 1st and getting an extra six weeks of having him used to the team and into the system. Like that's huge. That, 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 that is huge. So I love the timing for it. Um, but I, I, I do agree with you where the price was a lot like, and this is a, this is a, this, this is a deal where if you can get Lindholm, if you can get Lindholm signed to an extension this week, you know what? It's probably I feel a lot better about the deal. But for pure rental, yes. right? Yeah. For pure rental, this is a this is a lot. This is this is a this is a this is a lot for to give up um in division and uh and it's it's also kind of for lack of a better word with the Canucks for, for Vancouver, it's you kind of put yourself in this spot by uh you kind of put yourself in this spot last year by overvaluing Kuzmenko's only NHL season. And I, I like Kuzmenko. I think he's still a good player, right? Yeah. But like, so here's the biggest thing about Andre Kuzmenko that, that last year that we all kind of knew he was uh, like Andre Kuzmenko scored 39 goals last year's first NHL season gets rewarded with a big payday with Vancouver he had a 27.3% shooting percentage last year, Gavin. He scored 39 goals by shooting more like 27 point, led the league in shooting percentage at 27.3. That's a ridiculous amount. 
Hmm. Right? Like that is a unsustainable amount for really anyone. Like I'm like I was just uh like like for example, uh he had a higher career shoot his shooting percentage last year was higher than 27.3 was a better shooting percentage than Wayne Gretzky ever posted in his career. Wayne Gretzky had best ever, I'm talking about the all-time managers leading score on purpose here. Wayne Gretzky once it at 26, but Wayne Gretzky for his career averaged 17% as a shooting percentage. And we're talking about the greatest player of all time. So to Vancouver went all in thinking this guy was a 40 goal scorer. And he was for a year. But now he's playing about the same game, and I feel like I watch enough hockey to kind of get an idea of how things work and everything. But Kuzmenko is basically having a very similar season he did last year. He's just instead of scoring a, on one in every four shots, he's scoring in one in every eight, and that's normal. And I think part of this deal comes down to at the end of the day, it's Vancouver kind of had to pay for overpaying on a one-year sample size on a free agent. And I think Calgary cashed in on that because I think for Calgary, this is a guy who comes there and if he can be what he has, he'll be fine. You get the first. I really like them adding, getting some of the, some of the, the prospect yep. product they got in this deal. Um, I think for Calgary to get this for a rental, it's huge. Yes. It's, they are. They they did a great job, and for a team that it's kind of been in a weird spot over weird spot, kind of figuring out who they are. And obviously, we saw them against Dallas in the playoffs two years ago. Like it is a uh, it is a it's a team that uh, kudos to them for figuring out a way to get out of this early and get the first and, and everything like that. And I actually think I think uh, Brustevitz is going to be a. I think that's a. I mean, Prustevich is not only is he uh, uh, third, it's Prustevich is third in the entire OHL right now for scoring, not just for defensemen, yeah. but for like, for not just for defensemen, for all players. Like, you're talking about a, a, a guy who's having a point per game season at junior, and obviously, like, that is a, I, I was. To get him and a first was, was really nice work by Calgary on this. Yeah, and the other prospect they got, I mean, much younger, um, but at the same time, good size, six foot four. Um, so, you know, probably a project, but at the same time, it's like, you know, that's a that's a nice prospect. So yeah, I agree. For for a a player that good chance he's leaving your organization, you know, getting what they, you know, received, uh, you know, good on you, Calgary. And if Vancouver can re-sign him, then good on Vancouver. I I love that Vancouver's all in. I think it's terrific. It's a great hockey. You know, I mean, we talk about hockey in the United States and how to grow. I mean, at the same time, like if Vancouver's in it, that's amazing for Canada. Um, so you know, I I just know from from watching the games up north, you know, Vancouver is certainly part of the chatter uh, every single day. Uh, okay, so. The reason I brought up that trade, one, it was major and a major haul going back. But for Stars fans, does that set the market in any way as far as like a Jacob Chikrin or a or a defenseman? Because that's where, you know, Stars fans are looking at, you know, how do we get that defenseman um, in our lineup? So that that's a question I have for you, Sean. Does this deal set anything or is it just a one-off? 
uh, it's, I mean, it's deals at this time of year are always weird because you want to say they set the market or whatever, but at the same time, deals around the deadline come with the element of panic from one side, right? It's the like closer to the deadline. It's either the team panicking to get something away or the team panicking to add something. And I think from a Dallas perspective and from my knowledge and read on how Jim Nil runs things, I don't think this changes how Jim Nil thinks because he's a big believer that they made their moves and they did not a big like the Duchesne trade. Not the trade, sorry, signing, the Duchesne signing. The Thomas Harley with Thomas Harley's ascension and the with during Miro Hishkin's injury. Those are moves where Jim looks at like, okay, those are off-season moves paying off now. So from a Dallas perspective, this may raise what another team asks for on something, but I don't think it changes Jim Nill's demeanor or what Jim Nill is willing to pay. So I, I don't think Chickren was ever going to work in Dallas as much yeah. as I think he would be a – as much as I love the player, I, I just don't think he was ever based off what it would cost to get him and and and, and everything – the one I am really interested in, and it's not just because him and I have the same alma mater and we and we and we get along when we chat, is Sean Walker. I think Sean Walker out of Philadelphia would be a great ad for Dallas because right now I look at this team and you have um, Thomas Harley and Miro Hishkin. You have two elite defenders, and I love when they play together. Um, I also love the idea of each having their own pair. You could play it around different ways. Um, right now you're still kind of struggling to find another righty who can play and move and everything like that. And Sean Walker is a right-handed defender moves pretty well. He's having a pretty good year with Philly. And I know you're, I know people are going to say, Oh, but Philly's in the playoffs. Well, <laughs> Philly also know Philly also knows where they are in their rebuild. Sean Walker's a UFA that doesn't really fit in their long-term cap plans. And, um, They've I've talked talked to Danny Briere last week actually just about some other things and it's the you have a setup where the Flyers are going to have to make a decision of not buying the fool's gold on this team right now like they're they're st- taking steps in the right direction but you also have to realize you have you also have to realize that if you, this, if the goal is to get Philadelphia back to Stanley Cup contender level maximizing assets right now could be the deal. And you add in the fact that Walker also, because, I mean, the Flyers were, were big in the news with the cutter Gauthier trade, bringing yep. in Jamie Drysdale. They've got eight NHL defensemen right now. Walker's a UFA. Like, he, to me, Sean Walker feels like a bit of the, is, is the one I would go after if I was Dallas. Right-handed, um, fits in well. And, I don't think he's going to cost you a first round pick. I don't think he's going to cost you a big prospect. Like all of these pieces. And I want, I want to say this to stars fans right now on something, because one of the things that's been annoying, one of the things that annoys me most about annoys me most about trade season is when I see like these lists of like, Oh, here's this hypothetical trade. And it's a trade where there is no way in hell it would ever happen. So let me put this, let me be clear on this. Logan Stankoven and Maverick Bork aren't getting traded. Like, right. I, I I hate what I sometimes see, like, a story where it'll be like, oh, like, I saw one the other day where it was, like, for Chris Tanev. I think Tanev wouldn't be a bad ad. But Tanev, so the, the, the trade proposal was, oh, Chris Tanev going to Dallas and uh, potentially uh, either Bork or Stankoven coming back. 
Jim Nill is never trading Logan Stakov and a Maverick Bork for Chris Tanev. That's a rental. Connor McDavid? I mean, that's that's a rental. Yeah. You're like, you you want to talk about a great superstar trade and that's, that's going to surprise us all? Fine. But stop. Like, I just, this is, the, this is kind of the silly season of stuff where you see things that are interesting stories versus what's reported. And I feel like I wish people would better clarify it. Like, I'm going to yeah. do it right now. Like, I'm clarifying. I'm not reporting that Sean Walker is going to be to the Dallas Stars. I just think, pers- I personally think Sean Walker would be a good fit. And my reasons are he's a UFA. Philly's already got Drysdale. They're going to, he's not part of their long-term plan. If I'm someone sitting in any other place and I'm throwing out the, the Bork and Stankhoven could be traded, that's that's ridiculous. So if you're a Stars fan and you see something like that, please know that that's, that's not the case. And um, so I, from a Dallas perspective, like I think they do shop around on defense, but they might not also do anything. They might look at, Hey, we're good. We, we could be this, this, we might have everything we need and we're going to save some assets because we made our moves in the off season. So it, it is a, I, I don't think like, I think this gets people murmuring a bit more, but I don't think this gets the ball rolling in the way like a, like a full, full-blown full snowball and everything like that. Yeah, I'm with so. you, Sean. I agree. I don't think they'll be traded, and I'm also coming around to, or I have come around. These guys are showing too much and are too good and are too dominant at the AHL, and people have to understand. Yeah. There is the, the biggest difference, and I've talked to players about this, between the AHL and the NHL, and I know you've done deep dives on this. Yeah. It's just consistency. So, yeah. I mean – Listen, they're doing it at a top level. So to put up what they're doing and being so dominant at that level, I don't want to trade them. I understand oh, Stars fans, but I just don't. There's, there's, I have to see this at the NHL level because what I'm seeing as far as highlights and game coverage, I'm excited for the future, and I know that might cost me this year. However... What I'm seeing, and then you're telling me that I have a big physical defenseman on his way that can also carry the puck. I mean, you know, he's not going to be like a puck, you know, a major puck moving defenseman, but he can carry the puck. I, you know, I've watched him; he can carry the puck. I, I'm excited. So you I know. and I yeah and I and I don't even think it's costing you this year. That's the thing where it's like people will be like, oh, it's costing you this year. I don't think it is costing you this year. I think if you. If you want to, I don't think there's a piece available. Like, I don't think there's a piece available out there that makes your team better than adding stake open or Bork to your roster would be. I think that, and that's where I'm isolating scale on this is Gavin right now, where it's like, this is how I've started to do this, like for this season, right? If I could, if you really, if I could right now, if an injury happened tomorrow and I needed if an injury happened to any player in the Stars lineup tomorrow, forward-wise, I would feel fine with Stankoven or Bork coming into the lineup, depending yep. on which player it is. Like, like if it's if uh, like if a uh, like Bork comes up for a different player than Stankoven does, right? For example. So, but any like I feel there is, I don't feel like there's a player in the NHL I'm worth trading for when you add in the factors of these guys are going to be on entry level contracts low against the cap and I, I don't think it's hurting you right now like it's if and the other thing that the stars have done and people will always be like oh they they, they let guys over ripen okay thomas harley played six regular season games last year and then he still was their second best defenseman of the playoffs last year if jim so as much as people sometimes want to be critical of jim nil 
uh, for being overly cautious on things or whatever and timing wise. If come February, come March, the best chance for the Stars to win a Stanley Cup is because Maverick Bork or Logan Stankoven are in the lineup and playing in in, in May and June. He did it with Thomas Harley. Yeah, he's done it before. Like it's not, it's not going to be like. I I want it's I I don't think there's these guys are that good and I know we talk about prospects and I I become and and people should know like maybe I've said this on I probably said this on this show we do a lot of shows I love it but the uh, <laughs> the like like I've become a bit jaded at times with the AHL sometimes because there's so many times where people get fall so in love with their prospects and they're like we can't trade this guy we can't trade this guy we can't do that. And as much as like Jason Dickinson was a nice piece in Dallas, right? Do you miss Jason Dickinson? No. Not like I miss Jason Dickinson the person. He was a great personality for the team. But like, like you replaced Jason Dickinson with Title Andrew. You replaced right. Jason Dickinson with Sam, with, with Sam Steele. You found Craig Smith. Like those guys. There's, there's the NHL is built on rosters built of guys just like that in the middle. I will also say, Sean, I think it's a different kind of prospect because when Jason Robertson was down, when Jake Ottinger was down, you knew. Like, you know, there's Mm -hmm. no guarantees. But, you know, those were untouchables. And now we're seeing why they're untouchables. And I feel as though these guys, unless you're just throwing something absolutely amazing that I can have for the next four or five years, nah, I'm good. You know, yeah. and I hate to say it that way, but I lo- I love what you're thinking about, you know, getting an expiring contract and working with that, something that can help you. But I'm not going to mortgage the future right now because we've worked too hard to get a future. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with you on that completely. Like, if you can get, and that's why I always go, I keep going back to Sean Walker. I look at Sean Walker as a guy who there's going to be, he might be priced out of Dallas's price range, but you come a week, week, three, four days from the deadline. He's still on Philadelphia. Flyers are looking at the realistic plan. Danny Briere can get a third round pick and maybe a B list prospect. And when I say B list prospect, and this is, this is going to sound really harsh, Gavin, but I don't care about like from a long-term build, I would trade a third round pick in any player in the system in the prospect tool outside of those outside the top three yeah for sean walker like that's this is going to sound really harsh but i if you're if you're talking about a riley damiani or right uh or anyone else like that's down that's like nothing against them at all but just at the end of the day like Come i would on. i would just go to philly hey here's a third and here's a third in any prospect that isn't leon maverick or uh or, or, or Stankoven. Yeah. Anyone you want. Yeah. Like, All right. Real quick before we go, yeah. one player that maybe, I mean, we'll look at the McDavid's this weekend, the McCars, the McKinnons, the, you know, superstars. Obviously, we'll have our eyes on Jake Ottinger. Just give me a random player that we should concentrate on. Um, I'm going to pick a funny one because I don't think it's, it's, he's a guy who I think it's kind of weird that he's there, but there's going to be a good Texas connection. Um, uh, Vinny Trocek is there oh, from him. the Rangers. He's from the Rangers. He's having a really good year. Um, I'm actually surprised he got the call of the All-Star game when they went to replacements because I feel like it's kind of criminal that Mark Stone and Jason Robertson aren't in this game. Yeah. But, so I was actually surprised when when Trocek got the invite. But 
I remember watching Vinny Trocek play with the San Antonio Rampage for a long time. And he was a guy who was a Texas Stars killer with the Rampage in San Antonio. So I always have a soft spot for guys who have built their hockey careers through something in Texas. So yeah. good to see. So uh, so I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Vinny Trocek as my little bit of a as a, as a, as a surprise pull there for you on that one. Uh, I absolutely love that one. And uh, man, I've loved him in Carolina. I've loved him everywhere he's been. And, uh, you know, glad that, you know, he fought his way up and good, you know, good for him. So that's going to do it for Spits and Suds. Read Sean's article on Essa Lindell and their purchase of their hometown team, which they have so much great pride in. Uh, it's a terrific article. D Magazine, support Sean through his Substack stack uh, and at Shap Shots. Uh, and then everything else Sean is doing, you can follow at Sean Shapiro. He's a beast. He's our insider. He's at the All-Star Game. He's joining us here on Spits and Suds. Thank you, my man. I know it's a crazy schedule. I know you have, you know, hockey articles coming out left and right and different things (laughs) you're doing for this. So the fact that you took the time, really appreciate it because I know Spits and Suds listeners, they love the fact that you're at the All-Star Game and giving us this info. I am happy to do it, man. It's been great. So this is always fun. And uh, we will, uh, I mean... I will, I will say this. I will leave us with this one lasting thought. Jake Ottinger yesterday was golfing in Mexico yes. with Tyler Sagan and Mason Marchman and Wyatt Johnston uh, and Ty Delandria. Then he had to get on a plane to fly to Toronto for an event that is designed for goalies to fail. So <laughs> the real hero here is Jake Ottinger for somehow not missing his flight to Toronto. Yes, the, the other hero is absolutely... Uh, good to the boys to go down and uh, golf uh, with their ladies in Mexico. Wonderful picture because out of the corner, I don't know if you picked up on this, everyone was coupled up except Ty Delandria and Wyatt Johnston who had their arms around each other. And I just love that. I thought that was so it's, cool. And it was it's funny to me because, like, uh, so Pavelski's not on that trip. It almost feels like it's the picture that, like, yes, uh, since Wyatt is, is still since Wyatt is still living with the Pavelskis, it almost feels like it would be the uh, it's it, it's almost looked like the picture like the that like the teenage son sends back to mom and dad, <laughs> like on their spring break trip. <laughs> no, I know and Joe's such a passionate golfer. I'm sure it's killing him. Uh, yeah, but so. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. A- absolutely. All right. Enjoy the weekend. And thank you one and all for listening to spits and suds. Thanks for your comments. Thanks for supporting us. We're growing. We're having awesome months and it's because of you. So please share, leave comments. Just let's spread the word that there's some awesome hockey talk live from the all-star game happening right here. And it's called spits and suds on one Oh five, three, the fan. Have a great day.